turn your Bibles to 1 John. Uh, we're actually going to finish just a little bit of 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. We are <clears throat> we are quite a ways down on this. It's a little farther than what we are. First John chapter number three. We're going to actually finish uh, one more thought uh, uh, from this morning's message. And uh, so, if you have your Bible, I'm looking at the latter end of chapter number three, and you'll see on the screen. Uh, I want you to look at the at the end results, the power of God's likeness. And this is this is something that. That we underestimate, and I want to take the time to just end that morning thought, is that when you spend time in the Word of God and prayer, and you spend time uh, pursuing um, will of God, because you're desiring that, or hoping for that, wishing for that, that there is some things that come out of that. If you'll take and look in verse number 19 of 1 John, chapter number 3. 1 John chapter number 3. There is, uh, ending this chapter, he starts with, and hereby we do know, and hereby we know that we are the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. Love that if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Verse 22, And whatsoever we ask, we receive Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I'm going to stop right there just so that we can kind of collect what thoughts we have on this. Is the primary responsibility that we have is to recognize that if if we are going to be in the center of God's will, we've got to have the same desires that He has. And for God to answer prayer, I mean, we've seen, um, as I read tonight, some answers to prayer. I believe that those answers to prayer were, first of all, on, on the people praying, they had to be in the will of God. The people asking for prayer needed to be in the will of God. Otherwise, God isn't really obligated to pray to do anything. He is, he, he, he is obligated to, to follow his promises. And God keeps his promises. He's, he's good at, at, and wants to keep promises. And the purpose, I mean, we, we think of everybody that's sick in the world, and there's a lot of sick people. And there's a lot of needs out there. There's, there's physical needs. There's um, uh, people needing food, needing clothes, needing homes, needing bills paid, you name it. But his central purpose is what? To seek and to save that which is lost. 
So if we if we're saying, listen, we want God to answer our prayer, we have to have the same mindset. So He's given us a this this fourth thing that you see up here: grace for growth and victory, and that's what we're hoping for, because that. He says, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. That means if we, can, if we, if we search our hearts and we say, am, am I doing the will of God? Am I, am I uh, hungering for the will of God? Am I, then we're going to have confidence. When do we need confidence? When do we need confidence? When you pray. Pray believing. You know, a prayer of faith, the Bible says, saves the sick. You know, heals the sick. Either God is not keeping his or God means what he says. He wants to work in our lives. He wants to work in your life. But he works through the first premise to seek and to save that which is lost. Not to heal everybody that's sick. But to bring people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can be healthy as the world and go where? <laughs> Die in your sins. That isn't the will of God that you be healthy and go to hell. He's willing that none should perish. So our focus and desire is to, to accomplish what he wants his way. Verse number 23, and this commandment that we should believe on his name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us the commandment. So there's the, there's the underlying and overriding principle that we have. Is that if it's it's that grace of God, not only to know His will, but the grace of God to do His will. And there's always room for growth. The main thing we got to, I think, remember is that we're we never nobody's ever arrived. And so when you you say, "Well, I I'm coming to church," you're coming to church to do what? I mean, I've have you, is anything I said in the Last year, something you haven't heard before? No. But you can still grow in grace. There's more of this understanding. The things I gave you this morning, this I, the concept of love, the love of God, John 3.16, is the underlying thing that really is the, is the centerpiece that brings people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's yes, they are in trouble with their sin, but the overriding principle is that Christ paid for it. <laughs> He's already paid the sin debt. They just need to repent, come to that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is an amazing, I think, grace for, for growth and, and to see as we read tonight, victory, as we read those prayer letters from uh, Brother Reardon, Brother Marzuk, and this... Uh, uh, Mrs. Jakowski, her mother, Mrs. Martin, and and I think that's that's exciting to me. That's why I enjoyed reading that, and I, I welled up <coughs> almost where I couldn't speak. Here he's he was so excited about his mother being saved, and I don't know. I know Brother O's right down there now in Texas, and he is he's like that. He's all he's all. Uh, 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 Wanting his mother to come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want my mother, which I'm going to see this next week. I want her to be saved. And, I, and, and so I'm looking at these principles that I've given you today. And I'm saying, listen God, please make me 
so clearly in your love that I can manifest that love to my mom. That somehow, God, you can communicate this great grace and the great goodness of you have and love to her that she might repent and turn. Because isn't that what the Bible says? The goodness of God leads what? Men to repentance. The book of Romans says, God, when they see the goodness of God, even while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is an amazing gift. But that ending, I want to begin chapter number 4. So if you have your Bibles open, please turn there. John chapter 4, verse number 1. I probably will not get to all, through all this tonight. But we've got to understand that with this amazing gift of grace and the love of God through Christ Jesus... You would think, boy, everybody would want that, right? Wow, yeah, wow, I, I want to experience the love of God in that way. You know, by, when Jesus says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You say, really? That, that we'd have that kind of resistance to the love of God? Well, listen, who do we war against? Who, who are we in battle with? Not flesh and blood. But principalities and powers and workers of darkness. There's a there's there is a there's a just that it's just Satan working in this world. He wants to maintain people in a, in the idea of darkness. And so we've got to be prepared for that. In chapter number four, if you look there, in the first six verses, it, it gives us that understanding. Resistance to the love of God. Look at the verse number one. Love through God or redefine love. That's what we've got to say. Either I'm going to do it through the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. I'm going to use his word and prayer. And I'm going to ask God for the grace to love people the way I'm supposed to. Or you're in the process of doing what? You're going to redefine what love is. There's a lot of love out there, unquote, unquote. But the kind of love that brings people to the saving knowledge is the kind of love that God wants to give. Look in verse verse 17 is where we're going to start this whole thing with, but we're going to back up verse number 1. Look in verse 17. Herein is love made perfect, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, as who is? As, who is that? As he is. Who's the he? Jesus. Jesus. He's the, he's the he here. As he is, what's it say? So are we in what? This world. You and I are manifesting Christ in the flesh. That, that never stopped. And we're going to see that as we go through here. Look in verse number 1. And verse number 6. Love through Christ or redefine it by the prevailing attitude. Listen, the prevailing attitude is not loving people through Christ. It's a lot of stuff out there, but it's not the, the prevailing attitude. Look at verse number one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they're of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There's a lot of people that are proclaiming that they love God. Well, listen, if their quest to promote Christ has to be defined by this book. 
If it's not defined by this book, then it's not of God. And it's not a love that comes from it. There's some other reason, some other motive. And so we have to exercise this and recognize in verse 1 through 3, verse 2, Hereby we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So what does that mean? We just got to say, well, I believe in Jesus. Is that what it means by confessing Jesus is Christ? We're going to find here that it is the continuous confessing. It's the lifestyle of confessing Christ. Everything that you do, not just the verbal thing, but what you do, your priorities, your purpose in life is confessing Christ. And it says here is that hereby we know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus is come in the flesh, means he is working today in and through us. Verse 3, every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of what? Antichrist. Now we think the Antichrist is going to be at the end of the world. He says the Antichrist is already, in some ways, it's already their Antichrist already involved in this world. They're anti. I mean, you think of, uh, people don't like to name names, but Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe that Jesus is God. God manifests in the flesh, the Bible says. Are they of Christ or are they antichrist? If someone says that it's Christ plus baptism, are they Christ or antichrist? They're antichrist. Because they're, they're making the, the grace of God into works. It's not effort on your part. And so you have to exercise. That means there's got to be a constant. And you proclaim the truth. You proclaim who Jesus Christ is. And for people that don't agree with that, are they going to love you? (laughs) Are they going to be happy with your proclamation? Well, that means we need to be quiet, right? We hide our light under a bushel. Put it under a bed. Or what do we do? Put it up on a hill. It's like a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And I know it's very tempting. I remember somebody just telling me recently, he said, you know, it's, he had, a person said he has a, a Christian friend that he works with. And as long as we don't, believe it or not, as long as we don't talk about religion, we get along fine. A Christian friend. You say, why? Because when he proclaims who Christ is, it's an issue. Is that a pro- should that be a problem? If a believer sits with another believer and they're really believing the same thing about the Lord Jesus Christ, that He came into the world to save sinners, and there's no other uh, method of salvation by putting your faith in the finish, there shouldn't be a problem. All right. So love through to God is redefined by prevailing attitudes. Look at the second thing. It says in verses 4 and 5, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He. It's overcome who? Those those people that are antichrist, right? He says, "Greater is He that is in you than He that what is in the world." Were the Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious people at that time, were they Christ or antichrist? They were antichrist, weren't they? Did Jesus have problems with them? Who was it that put him to death? Why? Because he didn't say anything or he stood up and he proclaimed who he really was. 
And they said, well, you know, only God can forgive sins. And you're saying you can forgive sins? And you make yourself out to be God. That's the problem the Jehovah Witnesses have. So it's a very prevailing <clears throat> attitudes can be, and you've got to remind yourself that wrong fellowship can affect your love for people. That means you cannot, you know, it's, you'd say, well, he's a brother. No, unless he believes the word of God, listen, he's not a brother. Somebody asked me today, uh, is a neighbor the same thing as a brother? Um, well, a neighbor could be somebody that's lost. A brother has to be somebody that's saved. A neighbor could be somebody that's a brother, but it, more than likely, it could, you can say it both ways, but more than likely, always a brother would be somebody, or a sister would be somebody that's saved. But it doesn't always mean that a neighbor is the same way. So under, you've got to understand the importance of fellowship. If you take your Bible and turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, or 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, you'll see this. Very important. As Paul mentioned to the church at Corinth, they struggled with this. He says in verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, We then as workers together with him, not them, but workers together with him beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in the time except in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Very easy. You yoke up with people that are not the same and that affects your testimony as well as theirs. But I want you to step down in verse number 14. Be not what? Unequally to yoke together with who? With who? Unbelievers. For what fellowship hath what? Righteousness with unrighteousness. And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord had Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part hath he with belief that believeth with an infidel. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And what does he say in verse 17? Wherefore, if the conclusion is that, what? Come out from what? Among them, and be ye separate, saith Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. That doesn't all, that's, that's not referring to the lost of this world. Now, if you're in fellowship with them, that's something different. But if you're trying to win them and trying to be their uh, uh, a testimony to them and be a friend to a degree with them, but when it, when it becomes somebody that gives a testimony of Christ yet doesn't follow this book, should you have anything to do with them? No, you're yoking together with somebody that disagreement. They're in Antichrist. So if you're not careful, who's going to be affected? Who's going to be affected? Can this happen with the lost relatives? Family? Does it happen? It does happen. Well, they're my, my parents or they're my brother. 
I say win your parents. I say win your brothers and sisters. I say, as the Bible says, you be what you should be for them. If they will respond, great. But it's not you pushing them away. What will it be? What will it be when you stand for Jesus? Who's going to be pushed away? They're going to push you away. They're going to push back on you. Why? Either they'll respond to the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, or they'll say, no, I, I, I'm not like that. Very, very important. So we love through God, or we redivide it by prevailing attitudes. And verse number 6, if you look back in 1 John, verse number 6, Let's just say, we are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of what? This is 1 John chapter 4, verse number 6. So you've got to remind yourself as, <clears throat> yourself, as well as the message is glorious, though some hearers are not of God. Just because somebody rejects the Bible. Just so because somebody rejects your love or your attempt to share the goodness of God and the grace of God and the, the, the love that God wants to save, just because they push back on that, does that take away from the message? No. It does not take away. What happens sometimes, and this is why a lot of people don't want to share their faith, they say, well, you know, uh, it, it's too offensive. Listen, you're going to find people that are going to do that. Don't let you be pushed to the degree of stopping your effort to love people. Just because some people reject the love of God doesn't mean that there aren't other people out there that need to hear it. You look at the life of Christ. Were there people that pushed back on Jesus? Yes. Were there people that pushed back on the Apostle Paul? And what did Jesus do? Well, I guess maybe I shouldn't say anything. No, you just keep on going. There are people that God has put in this world that want and will hear the truth of the gospel. So don't let those prevailing attitudes affect your willingness to love folks and uh, to go forward with them. It needs to be done. You love through God or you redefine it by? Look in verse number 7 and through 9. It says what? <clears throat> Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. And he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for what? God is love. So don't take for granted this. It is a great, great calling. Uh, you know, when you... See, that's sometimes we, we, we underestimate who has called you to do what you're doing. It isn't pastor. Well, pastor says I need to go out and be a soul winner. Uh, it, it isn't, uh, it isn't the, the, and I'm glad we're not a, an organization. We're an independent local church. We don't have a hierarchy. It isn't a hierarchy that's calling you to go out and be a witness. Uh, we listened to this, uh, one of the uh, tapes of Jehovah's Witnesses. They, they have a hierarchy. <laughs> 
You got to get in so many hours a week as, as a Jehovah Witness. No, don't let don't let the fact that that it is uh, be redefined and take for granted what greatness is. Think think about it. I always think of it this way. Remember Jesus on the cross. Just take time every day to remember Jesus on the cross. He's not on the cross anymore, is he? Praise God. He, but what did he go through for you and me? What did he do? He gave it as he gave us all. I never seen the passion of Christ. And I don't want to see it. But I can read from the Bible and hear enough about what Christ has done for me. And don't take that for granted. That is a great and glorious thing. And it's part of that calling that you have. And verse number 9, he says, And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. What a great purpose. This new life, this life of being a witness, this life of sharing the love of God, this is that we might live. That is really living. It's not going to work and paying ComEd and the and NICOR or people's gas and, and your taxes. That's not living. It's not, it's not getting that, that uh, $18, $20 an hour job. That's not living. It's not going out to eat and buying a nice house and a nice home. That's not living. Living is knowing of the calling that God has put upon your life. To manifest His love. And that, and that needs to be that place. You say, you know what? I want to start living for God. I want to start. I don't want to take for granted what He's done for me. Look at another thing that it gives here in verse number 10. Love God through or redefine it by underestimating. Love is a walk of faith. Look in verse number 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but what? That He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So it does take faith. Somebody help me out. What do you think faith? What does it mean when I say the just shall live by faith? What does it mean to you? Let's get a couple answers here. What does it mean to you to that, hey, I, I have to live by faith? What does that mean? Pretty basically good. saying that my direction, my course, my life, my life is based completely in God's hands. Amen. Amen. Anyone want to add anything to that? In other words, it's another word for faith is what? Dependency? Trust? Right? I, I could I can trust in my husband or I could trust in my wife or I could trust in my father or I could trust in my mother or should I trust in who? Christ. I can trust in my job and trust in my health. All those things are fallible. But when you say no, I have to live by faith. I don't know what I don't know what tomorrow's gonna be. I don't know whether I'll have a I don't know whether I'll have a job, I don't know whether I'll have my health. Whether I'll have a home, I don't know whether what you know. We think about this. 
How many of you know that there are people today living in this world that name the name of Christ that are suffering in prison? That are being beaten for their testimony of Christ. What happens, Christian, if it comes to visit us? Are you, are you going to be living by faith? Or are you going to say, wait, you know, if you're living by faith now... You're going to, God is going to give you the grace to face that. You realize you want to have it right now. But if you face that and God, God said, listen, don't, don't worry, I, I've got your back. You'll make it. Day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute, but you'll make it. Right? An exciting place to be, I believe. All right. Love through God or redefine it by... Underestimating his love. Look in verse number 11 with me. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also, what? Now there's the manifestation. If God is loving you, right? If he's manifesting himself to you, he's talking to you, he's leading you, he's guiding you, he's strengthening you. What is, he, what is he preparing you to do? Just take it all in? Just suck it all up? No. It's going to fill you up to the degree that you say, you know, I can't just hide this. This manifestation of God in my life and what he wants to do for other people. I can't hide this from my family and friends. What a foolish thing to think that I have this truth about salvation and the gift of God, and I don't have to earn it. It's a gift. I don't, it's a, all I have to do is put my trust in it. I'm not going to share this with people that are believing that it's because the, they're keeping the seven sacraments. That they think that they're, going, they're right with God. No, I can't hide that. So when the Jehovah Witness comes up and knocks, I mention them because they're most evangelical today. They come up and they knock on your door. Are you going to just slam the door in their face? Or should you talk to them because you love them? Should you have enough strength from the Word of God? You know, when you, when you talk to Joe and Ann, you know what they're going to do? They've been taught. They get in their New World Translation, or the Mormons, they'll take the King James Bible and the Book of the Mormons, and they'll, they'll, they'll take you through, and they have this, if you don't know your Bible, they'll make it say things you thought it never say before. What? You better know what the Bible said. Then. And the first thing you start dealing with is their stand with who did Jesus? They say he's Michael the Archangel. Okay. You better be able to deal with that, right? All right. So underestimating the privilege, the responsibility, brothers and sisters in the body. Look, look at verse number 11. It is a great privilege to love one another. That is a privilege slash responsibility. <clears throat> Why? You think about it. Your kids learn to love, are preparing, you're teaching them, right, in your home, to do what? Love each other, right? To love their mom and dad. All right? In the church, what are we trying to do? Yeah, we're trying to learn to love each other, right? Are we all as lovable as sometimes as we could be? 
Have we got some flaws that are kind of hard to love at times? Right? Well, we've got to learn to love folks either way, right? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We've got to learn to love people. We've got to learn to encourage people. Right? And so it's a very, it's a great privilege and responsibility we have. And that's where we learn to, to love people. And if we can't love our brothers and sisters that we can see in the church, how are you going to reach out to people you don't even know? Not going to happen, really, I'll be honest with you. All right. Love through God or miss the potential. Verse number 12. No man has seen God at any time. We, we love one another. God, what? Dwelleth in us, and his love is what? I love that word, right? What's it say? It's perfected. Don't you like things that have been perfected? I wish I, had, I wish I had a car that was perfected. I wish I had a computer that was perfected. Or I wish I had the knowledge that was perfected. I don't know what's wrong. Me and technology don't get along. But I wish I had that. Boy, if it's perfected, I just, you could just manage it. But God wants to do what? We have this great blessing for growth in verse 12. And it says, <clears throat> But God dwelleth in us. We love one another. And His love is perfected in us. So we're... We're, we're fine-tuning who God is. We're working with each other, with your children. How many of you as parents know that it takes a lot of grace to be a parent? <laughs> right? How many times you're, you want to grab a hold of a little chunk of hair when you're raising your kids, right? And you want to hold on to it, and then you want to pull it out. Why? Well, God is just perfecting the work of patience and grace in your life. Your dependency upon Him. Kid? Right, Chloe? You never get like you want to pull no? Your sister's always... Is, is it easy? Huh? She'll pull somebody else. It's not easy sometimes, is it? No. So what do you got to do, sis? Chloe, what do you got to do? When, he, when they get ready to go like this, what should you do? It's just sit to just... Go take a few minutes, go to your room, close the door if you can get it closed, and keep it closed for a minute. Go to mom's room if you have to, or go to the basement, closet, I don't know. Find a place to do what? Pray, God, don't let me act ugly. Don't let me act silly. Don't let me act stupid. All right? I say that to Chloe, but don't we all need to find that place at times? Right? Coworker gives you a little gross. Ooh, I've got a boss right now that's just uh, is really trying my faith. And uh, look at verse number thirteen with me. Hereby we know that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He has given what the manifestation of the Spirit. This is John, First John, chapter four, and verse number thirteen. Hereby we knew we know. Hereby know we. That we dwell in Him because He's given us His Spirit. What is what? Why would why would the the Lord put that verse in the Bible? Let's think about that for a minute. Why would He put that verse in the Bible? Why would He do that? We've got to say, now wait a minute, it's either me manifesting 
my spirit, or I'm supposed to be manifesting what? Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He said, he never leave us nor forsake us to manifest that spirit. Listen, that is a, that is a huge potential and a huge opportunity when, when people see not your spirit, but God's spirit. What do they see? They see the love of God, don't they? Because if we gave people a piece of our mind, Not good. For the manifestation of the Spirit. We're going to take one more verse, I believe. I'm not going to get through all of it. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, verse 13, I'm going to read up through that. Hereby we do know that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He's given us His Spirit. We recognize that we're not operating in our own. We're looking, we're, look, we're moving and motivated through Him. We're waiting on Him. We're saying, Lord, I'm going to wait on You. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to allow You to work through my spirit to say and do and, and think the right thoughts. In verse 14, it says, And we have seen and do testify the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. What does that little phrase mean? When you allow the Spirit to work through you, what is being manifest? The Son. The Son. And when that happens, who gets the glory. <laughs> Woo, don't, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? We, want, we say the love of God <laughs> has a great potential, but it can be missed. And I'll be very, very honest with you. Most people don't really recognize or appreciate or think that it's even possible for God to get glory. And I, when I say that, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to want to say it in a way that you understand, hopefully understand it. When God gets the glory, what you feel inside is a sense of, for a while, a sense of anguish. Because you wanted to really act out or behave in the way that you felt like behaving. And God arrested that. And boy, it was charred, it was difficult. It was, you had to hold back and you... And, and he finally you said, no, I will not allow my spirit to manifest in this situation because if it does, the love of God will not be uh, demonstrated, the grace of God will not be demonstrated, and God will not be glorified. But boy, when it happens, whew, you kind of take that big sigh and, uh, and relief and say, wow, we did it, God. We did it. I didn't behave in a way that I wanted to. And listen, the more you practice this, the first, the first times you do it, it's not easy. But the more you stop, that's why the Bible says we're, we're, to, we're to watch and pray. We're to, we're to wait before you just respond and act on something and re, do something out of the flesh. You wait and you say, now wait a minute. I, I can't just jeopardize who God is and what He wants to accomplish here. Even though this may seem small and insignificant, hey, my life is guided by the Lord Jesus Christ in the smallest detail. Listen, let me say this. If God doesn't guide you in the smallest detail, will He guide you in the largest? Will He? No. Because you're not going to... If you don't... If you're not... 
acutely aware of his presence in a very small matter. Like a wrong thought. How many ever had a wrong thought come in your mind? What do you need to do? Mohan, what do we do with those thoughts that come into our mind shouldn't be there? Yeah, you confess them. Oh, they didn't act out. I didn't actually do anything. Should we still confess them, Mohan? Oh, yeah. Because if you don't confess them, what will that thought become? It'll become an action. So we don't, even let it, we don't even let it land there for a moment. We chase it away. Because who planted that thought there? Huh? Your flesh or the devil work together, right? All right. I'm going to close. I thank you for your attention. We're going to finish the rest of this probably next week. But I want you this week, as part of your homework, I want you when you're in your devotions. I please pay attention, Christian. I want you in your devotions to say, God, please. I'm not sure exactly what I've been manifesting in my home. I'm not sure exactly what kind of love people are are witnessing through me. But from this day forward, I want to stop and think before I say or do anything. I want to give you the opportunity to redirect my words, redirect, because listen, if we jeopardize opportunity that God gives us to manifest what? The love of God. Because every action, every word, everything that we do communicates the love of God. Or it communicates something else and if you and I are not vessels that are fit unto honor what are we fit for what are we fit for what are we here for if we're here because we're just filling the pew and, and, and wearing out some Bibles are we here believing that God has ordained you and me to be manifest Christ in this world I want, to, I want you to look at verse 15 because I, I wanted to get to this one, but I want you to see it. What does it say? Whosoever shall confess Jesus. And look at the look at the verb. What does it say? Was the Son of God? What does it say? Whosoever confesseth that Jesus what? Is. What does the word is? Present tense. He is present tense. He is the Son of God today in my life, in my in my heart, in my mind, in my words. He that confesses Jesus Christ and the Son of God, what it say? God dwelleth in him and he in God. That's a verse. I love that verse. Present tense. Is Christ present tense in you. Your children, your wife, your husband, your neighbors, your co-workers, your boss should see what? Christ is present tense in me. Not when I'm in church. Not when I'm on just my good days. He's present tense with me right now. There's no chance 
that God wants us to, to mess that up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you. <clears throat> Lord, make me few in number tonight, but Father, that you said where two or three are gathered together in their name. And Father, we are here together in your name. We are wanting to manifest you as you really are, not something that we want to restructure, redevelop. But Lord, just be who you want to be in us as individuals, as a body.